Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. I'm Andrew Cook and I'm delighted to be in your company again. Christian Basics, we continue the series. We begin here on Serving Today to look at a new subject in our Christian Basics series and with the help of our friend Dr John Hall again. The subject is the church. Now, the word church is used in a variety of ways by people today. For example, some use it to describe a church building where Christians meet for worship and fellowship, the wooden bricks if you like. Others think of some worldwide religion or organisation. And still others think of the church as referring to those who are Christian ministers and leaders. Derek French has spoken with John Hall for us and he began by asking him if we're correct to understand and use the word church in any of the ways I've just mentioned. Well, Derek, the Bible never uses the word church in that sort of way. The Bible always uses the word church to refer to a gathering of people. And that's sadly not the way we commonly use the word now. In the New Testament times, the word translated church just meant any kind of assembly of people. The word's ecclesia. And the word is used, for instance, in Acts 19 for the people in Ephesus who rioted in opposition to Paul. They all rushed to the outdoor amphitheatre and then it says in verse 32, the assembly was in confusion. In other words, the people gathered there were in confusion and the word used is church, a gathering. So we need to correct our use of the word church if we're going to use it in the way that the Bible does, where it always refers to a gathering of people. So it's not a building, not just the leaders of a church, nor an international organisation. It's a gathering of people. Oh, well, that's very helpful, John. Thank you for that. Can I ask you then to develop this now and to actually show us how in the New Testament that word church was used and what we're to learn from it? Yes, Derek. In the New Testament, the word church is used in basically two ways. It's used of local churches and it's used also of people in every place and generation who belong to Christ. So it means an assembly of people. The root word means called out ones. They've been called out and called together, gathered together for a purpose. So in the Christian setting, the Christians have been called out of their old life and are gathered together to serve and worship God. They're united together through belonging to the Lord Jesus. Now let us look at some of the Bible teaching on this. First of all, we're going to look at Acts 11, 25 and 26. Barnabas had brought Saul to the church gathering of Christians at Antioch. Could you read those verses for us, Derek, please? Yes, certainly, John. Then Barnabas went to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So here we have the gathering of Christians in Antioch called the church. And that church, as a result of the Lord's guiding, sent out Paul, who who was Saul, and Barnabas to take the gospel to others. 
and they went into modern-day Turkey. They preached the gospel, people were saved, and they were gathered together into local churches or assemblies. And on returning to these groups of people, they appointed leaders. Notice it doesn't say to the church, but to each church. Each local assembly was a church. Derek will read to us now Acts 14.23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in every church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they'd put their trust. Thank you. Just one more example, where it refers to local churches in Acts 15.41. It says, speaking of Paul, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches, local congregations of Christian people. John, what about the worldwide church of Jesus Christ? You said that's another way in which the word church is used in the New Testament. Yes, Derek. The the second use of the word, it refers to all Christians in every age, and it's sometimes called the church universal. The word church is used like this in Paul's Ephesian letter. Please read for us Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations for ever and ever. Uh, We see his glory is going to be in the church and in Christ, the whole gathering of Christian people through all generations and forever and ever. John, we've seen the biblical meaning of the church, the assembly, those called out. But the New Testament also uses the term body to describe the church. Why does it do that and what's the significance of that for us? Well, it's a lovely teaching this, that uh, the church is Christ's body and Christ is the head. Let's first of all turn to the biblical reference for this, Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23. And God placed all things under his feet, that is Christ, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church there, the gathering of Christians, the called out ones, is called Christ's body. It stresses the vital thing about this gathering, that it is united to Christ and ruled by Christ, who is its head. Each Christian, to be a true Christian, is by faith united to Christ. They're in Christ, as it says in the New Testament. But then the picture is that in Christ, each Christian is part of his body, and therefore related to each other as parts of the body are, mutually interdependent, all controlled by Christ. And that this body and union is expressed in our world by local congregations or churches of Christians. Let's now look at another text, Ephesians 5, 29-30. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. It's a lovely illustration, that, isn't it? It is indeed, yes, how Christ nourishes and cares for and feeds his own people. Each Christian is a member, therefore, or a part of Christ's body, like a finger or a toe is a member or a part of your body. And the whole body is gathered together in Christ. John, perhaps an obvious question in one way, but a very important one nonetheless, is this. Who are the true members of Christ's church? 
Yes, Derek, this is very, very important in our own day and age because so often people think they're Christians because they've been born into a Christian community or they're Christians because they attend a, a local meeting of Christians. You're not a member of the true church just because you do regularly attend a place where Christians gather for worship. You're not a member of the true church because your group or community is known as Christian. You're not a member of the true church because you were born into a Christian family and you've always gone to church and always believed in God. In order to be a member of the true church, you need to be a true Christian. That is, by God's grace, you have been given a new heart and called to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have been saved or redeemed by him. John, we've come across that term redeemed before, but could you just remind us of its meaning? Yes, Derek, it's a lovely, lovely word. It means to be released on the payment of a price, released by the payment of a ransom. Christ died to deliver and release his people from their sins. In the Bible passages we're going to look at, we will see that the Church of God in Corinth was made up of those sanctified, set apart by God, and called to live a holy life. They, like all other Christians, call on the name of the Lord Jesus. So we've seen that the true Christian is redeemed, and the church at Corinth is described as those sanctified, called to live a holy life, calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll read that passage now in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is verse 2, and Paul writes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So to be a member of the true church, you have a vital new relationship, a living relationship with Christ, You're in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, Christ's relationship to his church is illustrated by the husband's relationship to his wife. Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her, died on the cross to make her holy and cleanse her from her sin. And there's that intimacy of relationship between Christ and the true Christian. And Eric's going to read some verses now from Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Now, listener, the question must be, are you a member of the true church? Have you come by faith to this Lord Jesus Christ? Has your sin been dealt with by him? He paid the price for sinners on the cross. And can you say he paid the price for my sin on the cross because I've turned to him and trusted him? If you haven't come to faith in Christ like this, it's no good just attending a local church. You need to be saved. You need to be made holy before you will ever really belong to Christ. In other words, you need to have that radical break with the past and to be set apart and consecrated for God's use. Once you are saved, then you will be an active member of a local congregation, a local church, if that is possible. John, a practical question really, but how do new believers actually become members of their local church? What's, if you like, the mechanics that we have to go through? Well, in the Bible, Derek, it says that you become a member by being baptised and then regularly gathering with other believers. You play your part in the body. 
The Bible says this, doesn't it? For instance, in Acts 16, Lydia and her household and the jailer and his household were baptised and then they met together. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 18, when the Corinthian church held the Lord's Supper, Paul said to them, when you come together as a church, they gathered as an assembly of believers. So you're baptised and you regularly meet with your fellow believers. Derek, please could you read 1 Corinthians 11 18? In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together as a church, there, that's what a Christian does. They baptised, they come together with fellow Christians. Now, listener, it's most important to be a true member of the true church. You cannot be saved unless you are part of Christ's body, unless you're saved by him and united by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are saved you will want to meet with and serve with your fellow believers who are also members of Christ's body. So we must urge those we serve to belong to Christ because without him they'll perish. But to those who do trust in Christ, it's vital that they seek the fellowship of other believers, if at all possible, and that they meet with them regularly. Well, there we must end this edition of Serving Today. This is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May God bless you in your service of his people. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can now send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five. 08932534 Until next time goodbye